Hey guys, it's uh, Tux from the Disconnected podcast. It's a uh, podcast by John Doe exploring the impact the pandemic has had on British communities, subcultures and movements. I will be speaking to leading voices within the community for insight, opinions on current issues and what they think the future holds within uh, the music scene. Every episode we're going to explore a different community and subculture and this week it's music. Next week it's going to be activism. Uh, We have Wilfred, Av and Drew, uh, all people who work within the music industry coming on to uh, really talk us through their process and their journey and um, I'm re-recording this uh, intro this week because the sound quality was a bit off so I had to redo it. But um, guys, have a listen, and I, I hope you enjoy. So I was born in Ivory Coast, and I moved to England due to the Civil War, and uh, went to school, did everything. And during my late teens, I just found myself, I was about 16, just disinterested in school completely. And so I dropped out, and I started pursuing tailoring, because I wanted to go into fashion. And so I trained on Savile Row, um, know how to cut, know how to make everything, basically. Um, and throughout my time there, I started meeting a few people. And I bumped into this kid who was producing for Stormzy for a while. Um, and so he was sort of like my route to music. And he was sort of the reason why I became a bit interested in like production and everything. And, you know, in my house, there was always music playing. It was always, you know, traditional African music, mainly. Um, a lot of stuff mixed with, like, French as well, because Ivory Coast is colonized by the French. But, um, yes, after a while, I sort of got a bit better and better um, and started branching out to more people in America. And um, now I really just, like, there's no, I, there's no real um, genre I focus on. Like, uh, I released a grime project a couple of weeks ago called SW8, and um, it's purely grime, but now I'm working on a psychedelic rock project with one of my friends. Um, so it's very, we're very versatile, we're very, um, I guess, yeah, I think versatile is the only way to describe it, but now, um, yeah, production, rap, singing, um sort of trying to get into organizing events as well. Um, but before the pandemic, actually, just like sustain everything, I was working in a photography studio, but they went bankrupt and, um, you know, I lost that spot. But it's been really good because I was able to just focus more on, again, using the contact built throughout the years um, and just start to line things up and really focus on the business as opposed to using it now as, like, as opposed to, it being just something that was fun before, now it's more so it's like, wow. Um, this is like a superpower. Um, like I have sounds in my head that I've never heard before. And when I hear things, it's just like people just don't hear what I hear. So it's just like, I don't know, just being able to express that is a gift, I feel. Who would you say your inspirations are? Oh, man. Um, my favorite band is Pink Floyd, without a doubt. Um Nina Simone, Felicuti. Uh I love Abba. I love Everyone's Abba. Everyone's just vibing right here. Everyone's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Feeling that. 
there's a is a African artist as well. He's based in France, I think, actually now. But his name is Salif Keita, and he's amazing. He's he's like he's our Michael Jackson, basically. Um, <laughs> yeah, li- literally all my childhood memories just him. My mom just always plays him. But um, there's that. There's also Dieter Rams. He's an industrial designer, um, and Charles and Ray Eames, they're pro designers. Um, I don't know. My influences aren't just like music. It really stems from like yeah. elsewhere. Even like photography, for example, I'm really in love with Helmut Newton. Like everything Helmut Newton does is just. I find it really interesting how like um, your interest in music doesn't just sit in music. It just leads into different creative paths. Which I think it's a really nice bridge to uh, talk about you have and your space in music and what you do. So if you could introduce yourself, introduce yourself as well, it'd be great. Yeah, that's no worries. Um, I'm, my name's Avleen and I'm from West London, born and bred. I'm Indian, um, if you can tell. But yeah, it's a very, it's just culture stuff. It's very backwards or whatever, as you would. So growing up, I had older brothers and they had old R&B um, CDs and stuff and I'd always go and like just steal them and listen to them so it'd be like really obvious like ludicrous like I'd be like a little Indian girl like rapping ludicrous and like it would not be very acceptable but that was like my first exposure to music and then as I grew up I found other loves and I think in the place that I'm at it's quite close-minded so when I did like alternative music I would be a bit of an outcast so I'd just share it with myself um and the friend that I started my music event with is called Noodle she goes by Noodle and she's a sound engineer but she's one of the people that I met when I was 15 and we would share music I think she played a song on you and I was like how do you know that and ever since then we've just shared music with each other she is still my best like a very good friend today so music can give you some bonds that you cannot get um, anywhere else. Um, I dabble in a lot of creative stuff. So I'll do photography, I'll do design, I'll do art. I'm still trying to find out what I like. Um, For my full-time job, the corporate life, I do make creative content for a PR company. But for fun, I do run an event with my friend Noodle and it's called Lucid London. Um, It's mainly Soulful House. Um, and we mainly made it because we fell out of love of what clubs have become and it's been about money and numbers rather than the actual experience that you have and the connections that you have. So our main three C's are um, a creative um, collaborative community and we feel like it's worked because I still speak to the photographers that I've gotten to take pictures for us. I still speak to the DJs that I've got DJed to us. I've still speak to the instrumentalists that we've got to improvise over the set. So it's not a fake thing. We're not like, okay, we'll pay you. You're done now. We've got your name down there. We actually like, we still speak to them during Corona. We're like, are you okay? Do you need anything? So I feel like that it's an old school way of having events, but we want to, I feel like, I feel like it's coming back a little bit more now, but yeah, that's me. <laughs> Andrew Muller, you, what is your story? Uh, tell us a bit more about yourself and your route into music as well. So I go by the name of Drew Muller. Um, original name is Drew. Um, so I've been doing music for the last three, four years. Um, it all started from, do you know what, since I've ever been a kid, uh, my dad every Friday would bring home like, so I'm, I'm Ghanaian by origin, so it would bring hit life, you know, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'd bring all of that um, from Morrison to 50 Cent. So every every weekend, I'm, that's all I'm just taking in, soaking in. And um, I've been that kind of influenced, uh, you know, even my sound today. Um, so 
my genre, I'd like to say it's genre bending. So it comes across from UK pop to UK R&B to a bit of Afro swing. Um, I was in a group originally um, called Open Late, uh, went solo. And um, yeah, ever since then, we've just been kind of just finding our way, meeting new people. I'm normally, you would find me in Shoreditch, just with a bunch of loads of creatives. Um, and I think for me, um, in, as Aveline was saying, with regards to community, um, the amount of meetings I've had where like, you know, with regards to numbers and whatnot, I just always wanted to make stuff that is just meaningful to myself and to the demographic that appreciate my sounds. And so um, I feel like when it comes to collaboration, I'm just always open to work with whoever um, and that's allowed me to bring out the best of my work. Um, again, um, I've been inspired by like, obviously the UK greats like Mark Morrison, he inspires my sound a lot. And, um, in fact, I actually just recently just dropped a, uh, released a new EP two weeks ago called Chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we've just been enjoying this journey so far. Shout yeah. out, man. What is it, is it on all the DSPs? Is it on Spotify? You can yeah. just. Yeah, all digital, um, platforms you can find it. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Go find now, it. Yes. Now I've got a question. Now these questions go out to all you guys. So like, just jump in. Super open question, right? What does music mean to you guys? What's the value for me? Um, I think the value is just seeing the reactions, the responses um, from just everyone. Um, whether it, for me, it's just whether it's one person or a hundred people. For me, it's just the organic reaction. And um, as I was saying, um, in the music industry, I've started to see a, a shift. You know. Social media is massive now, so you know streaming numbers. When I'm going into meetings, that's the first thing they're looking at, as opposed to okay, what is your sound? And for yeah. me, that has been dejected, dejected me quite a bit. But then, with good management and whatnot, we've just solely just concentrated on those who really appreciate my sound. Um, but for me, yeah, value is just with regards to just just seeing the reaction from from from, from people. Yeah, because I'm. I mean, I guess. A question on that really is that obviously you talk about going to meetings and people talking yeah. about sounds. Like, do you feel a difference in between how the conversations you'd have in in the music business about music have changed since lockdown? People more concerned about streaming numbers than how you can build on the back end of touring. Yeah, because I, for example, back in the day, I think it used to there used to be a lot of artist development. For example, um, you yeah. know, and improve on sound. And now when I'm, you know. I can tell it's quite frustrating as a creative because you, you can tell when your stuff is good by just, you just know. Um, and so when you're hearing numbers, you're like, wait, hold on. Okay. How can we embark on that? How can you progress me as an artist um, for me to reach that audience that will appreciate this type of sound? And I think uh, for any creative out there, um, you'll find many like me who do things that are not the trend and I can see why it's forced a lot of creatives to also create things that are just trendy because I guess they know if they do that that's where everyone's going to yeah so I think that's a really interesting statement because um, especially with the question around A&R now and A&R for those who don't know and everyone here will know but people listening may not know it's the person who generally comes in to almost put on those training socks for the for the artist right you get them recording time you help them to like source out how they're going to develop as an artist, right? That's, that's the foundation. Now, we all have slightly different routes exactly. into the music industry. Yeah. And I guess how important is that nature versus nurture question? I'm going to throw this one to you, Wilfred, because I know that your musical journey is quite different. So tell me about how you feel about the role of an A&R. Is it important? And what 
is the measure of success in music for you? I mean, I'm not, I've, I have like loads of friends who are really involved um, business wise in all of these and are, you know, signed. I, I literally have, I had a friend who signed like a 360 deal a couple of months ago, which is just like big no no. Like, that's it. Like, they gave him 250K and he's in this like five year contract. And by the end of it, he's going to generate probably 20 million or something. And, it's all for the label. Um, wow. wow. But so I'm not, I'm not really involved in any of these, but I have loads of discussions. Like even right now, actually I was meant to be in LA in f- sort of late February, early March. Um, like my same friend actually helped me get some shows. And this is sort of, it was meant to be like the biggest thing for me musically. Um, it was like a lot of money for just like 30, 30 minutes, like a 30 minute set. And he got me like, for the shows, but then it all got cancelled. Um, um, so I'm in discussion with people really in it, um, but I'm not. I, I don't partake in it. Um, uh, I, Is that an active choice? Would you rather not be in the business of music? Um, actually, I, I love I love business. I like I love business. I think you know um, any creative anyone who. Um, you know, is like a superhero. Is someone who is making these things for the sake of in, enlightening, for the sake of uplifting um, the ones to come, or just people of our peers and anyone else around. I see them as superheroes. Um, there's a lot of other people who I want to mention who do things for the sake of it, selling, who do things um, and really communicate to the youth and tell them all you need to do is like print on a t-shirt and you're a fashion designer. Go learn how to DJ and then make this trap beat and you're a rapper or whatever. And it's very much like that's really setting everyone back because um, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time and a lot of effort to actually know about something and actually understand it. But um, I, I, I think A&Rs are important. I think, you know, all the elements in industries are important because um, people need to know about them, <laughs> you know. And um, once you know about them, you'll be able, you'll really be able to know how to flip it over. Mm-hmm. You real you really able to know how you know people how these people receive your work versus how you receive your work, and how to sort of meet in the middle so you can get that platform. Because there's been a lot of great musicians, a lot of great um, sculptures, artists who just never ever cared to or known how to get into the business side of things, and so their work never see a day of light. It just ends up them struggling, and then it's in the back of like this factory somewhere or their no house idea. when, you know, if it was ever in a gallery, it could be changing loads of kids' lives. Um, no, I hear it, cause it is a really interesting conversation. I mean, you know, especially around the conversation of the A&R, like the golden era of that seems to me to be like Motown, right? So like you kind of have a sound, you have almost like a set idea of how you're going to do it. You get some talented people in a room, you train them for six months and you turn it out and there you go. You've basically got a scene, right? where it kind of feels like it's moved on a bit from that, which is interesting. And I guess um, I've, I have a question for you, Evelyn, a question for you, right? What do you feel is a common myth or misconception? So, for example, when you do uh, your events, when you do uh, Lucid, what is a common theme or misconception about your event nights and what you're trying to put on and what people are going to expect and what you're actually going to deliver? I think it's quite um, different. I've always had this thing where if you're going to cut corners or if you're going to 
cheat per se or try to do the easy route, the long term, you're not going to, it's not, you're not going to have your loyal fans. You're not going to be true to yourself. Um, and I think with a lot of event stuff that I saw when I was growing up, so when I went to uni, when I was around uh, 19 to 20, when I really, really got into going to events and doing whatnot, I saw the love for music die and I saw it being gentrified, saturated, the type of people, the crowd, all of it just change and it all does come under one roof. So it's a very small thing, but if you're going to cut corners, don't expect something long-term. You're going to have to expect something short-term. You'll get the numbers, you'll get all of that, but it won't last. Um, Whereas when I, I said to Nadia, I was like, we can worry about the numbers at one point, but we need to tick some boxes. We need to make sure the crowd that we see actually like the music. They're actually speaking to each other. There's no clicks. And we've had that every single time. Every time we've had an event, fair enough, might have been only 150 people or less or whatever. But when we've had those people, it's been consistent. Consistency is key and not cutting corners is key with anything that you do. If you're a musician, if you're a creative in any sort of field, because as time goes on, I think I'm going to give like a very obvious example. And I live by this example, Kate Trinada. I've followed him since I was like 15 years old. He's got that sound. And even today I listen to his albums and even if it's mainstream or whatever, he's tried to be in the charts, the vocalist that he picks, the sound that he has, Everything about him has been consistent. I feel like I'm still looking at the same person. And that to me means so much more. So now I've got an almost controversial um, question, but I've got to throw it out there. I've got to throw it out there because obviously um, I work in the space of working with brands. And a lot of what we have to do is trying to help brands communicate the message to music. Now, how do you feel like that? I'm probably, I want all of you guys to answer this one, especially. I'm going to start with you, Dream Lula. So now, how do you feel about brands, working musicians to communicate their brand through their music? So um, it's a tricky one because I guess um, now with social media, I guess from my experience and from what I've seen from fellow friends in the industry, um, again, it's just numbers, I guess, like the amount of followers would determine a brand approaching them, for example. But then, when you go to an event, for example, you would see an artist at a certain event, you're like, wait, hold on. Uh, have you guys really researched into why you've, you know, asked for this artist to be here? Like, have yeah, you done, yeah, done? Yeah. So I don't know. Um, I think at the moment it's difficult, um, to tell, I guess it's hard to, as an artist, it's hard for me to, from my standpoint to be like, oh, okay, well, brands, they're just picking and choosing who they want just due to followers. It's just, it's, I guess it's one of those things where if an artist is signed to a good, for example, PR agency, they're able to kind of put things out there. And if they've got good relationships with this brand, they're more inclined to work with, you know, for example, I, I do and dab in um, fashion, for example, I love fashion. Uh, it's something I want to, I've been trying to combine that with my music. Um, in which recently, yeah, you know, we're starting to see things unfold, but it's been difficult, for example, like, um, but this is what I was talking about, collaboration, like, so there's always someone who is kind of on the same wavelength in what you kind of do. So in fashion-wise, I've, I've, thanks to apps like Instagram, I'm able to hit up fashion designers who are of that circle who are ready to just collaborate and work, and you will find them. It's just about searching. So with brand partnerships, again, um, it's a difficult one. They do influence a lot, um, but I do believe, Again, just like with ANRs, in my personal opinion, I do believe uh, they could dig a little deeper and, and kind of find 
It sounds right. like it's all about authenticity, right? It's got to be a natural, a natural connection. I'm saying, like, I'd rather have a hundred supporters. I don't even like calling them supporters than a thousand who, oh yeah, and then they they're gone tomorrow. Like, yeah. No, I hear you. I mean, for me, a great example of that is it's like a famous night. Well, maybe you may know, you may not know. It. It's a famous ninth example, right? Where you've got um, uh, the Gap paid LL Cool J a million. A million pounds, a million dollars to do an advert. Uh, <laughs> and then at the end of the advert, he says, for us, by us. So it's a FUBU ad for free in an advert for The Gap. And it's a complete question of authenticity. Yeah. It's like, if, if FUBU came up to him and paid him a tenth of the price, it would have flown. Mate, and that's the thing. And I see a lot of that on social media. And I, I, when I speak to a management and he just tells me, Drew, don't look too deep into that. The right companies the right brands it will come you just gotta stick with what you're doing stay on your path and the right people will just it just fits in like a jigsaw yeah so just authenticity how about you guys how, how do you guys feel about uh brand partnerships with uh music with musicians and ha- do you have a positive feeling towards it do you have a negative feeling towards it i definitely i have like um i definitely agree with what drew is saying like right now i'm working with um, my sister she's 15 and um, we started focusing on her Instagram and um, literally two months ago, she was on like 1,000 followers and now she's on 5,000. And on our prediction, she's going to hit 10K in sort of November, December-ish. Um, and we're really just like focusing on like, we're really focusing on the numbers, if I'm being honest. Um, <laughs> because because we know the numbers are going to be, the numbers are going to be what's like the key to get into like certain spaces. You know, um, and even like right now, we specifically got her to go to this, I won't name drop, but this um, vegan food place. And because of the numbers, because of how, you know, she dresses and carries herself and documents things, they saw her, they started to have conversation and they started talking about possibly having like a partnership with her. And it actually works out perfectly because, um, you know, coincidentally, in January, we're going to be making a YouTube channel where she's making food. I'll just leave it at that. But I think there's loads of things that, you know, brands can do, like like even labels and stuff. It's just about finding which one works for you. And like Drew was saying, like really doing what you're doing, regardless of anyone else. Because I think, you know, if you're waiting on this thing to happen, you're waiting on this person to help you out, that's like your first step to make, like, failing. Um and it's it's very important that if you're going to go towards like a brand route, um, really know what brand you're going towards and really understand that brand and fully go at it. Like if, if, if you want to go for like this fast fashion brand, don't be ashamed. Like go, go get your money, go get like your little two years, three years of like being everywhere. Um, but, you know, even with my sister, we, we chose the vegan spot. Even my sister, she gets loads of like DMs from all these, um, I won't name drop, but these very fast fashion places. But we always say no because they're not sustainable. They're not eco-friendly. Um, like we really do research on them like as soon as they message us. And it's like, it's important that her image and also her as a person, she represents herself and she represents herself in a way that does honor to our mother. Um, that's just how I, I think yeah, about I it. Now, I've, I feel like it's a good question for you because you almost sit in between both worlds, right? So, like, 
during the day, doing a lot of like almost property copy, like creating content stuff. And also you have your own outlet. How do you feel about those brand partnerships? Um, I think I've only ever heard stories, to be honest, because I've only just started DJing during Corona. Like I've always done it, but I've only recently done lives or done recordings and stuff. But um, there's been stories about brand partnerships. So like they do all the right things they do. They are trying to normalize the type of way that we see life. Their followers, their supporters now are people that dress that way, listen to this type of music. There's a type of demographic. So it's weird because it's not so bad, but it's not so good with some of those things. But then Sometimes I'll I'll just see random things like IKEA got DWE to do an advert, and I was like, I remember it, that. It, I remember it, that. It, that was, was a weird was, one. It was weird, but the thing is, for me, like me growing up, I'm like there was no representation. It was always looked down upon. So me now, and I'm looking, I'm like, like what? Is, why has it been accepted now? But then also, when you actually delve into the little bits of it, like they don't follow what they say so they'll have their big brand partnerships with these artists but for example my friend noodle i've gone to panel talks where djs that are emerging djs and they've said yeah um do do they they said to focus on smaller communities because it's more authentic they're not cutting corners like i said before whereas they've djed for certain brands that say they will support the culture they haven't been paid they haven't been paid. They're like, you're going to do that for free. You've got the, you've got the name under your belt now. These brands would say they, they do this and they advertise that they, they support a certain type of demographic. And then when I've been to panel talks, these DJs haven't even spoken to each other about it. And they've all talked about their experience about not getting paid from a certain type of brand or being paid late or them saying, do it for free and you'll have the representation of the brand. But that's it. That's all they have, if you get what I mean. Little bit have you seen any sort of change during lockdown? Has it been a, a different way that people have, have, and this goes out to all of you, by the way, a different way people and brands and companies have approached you within music since lockdown or not? Well, I've been, I've been getting loads of, uh, again, like fast fashion places. Um, that's like really it, but we're not really focused on that right now. Um, in terms of branding, I really like I'm, I'm really staying away from it all just because of um, my like several role background. I feel like it'll be it'll just be a bit disrespectful of me if I don't go to um, if, if I ever do anything and it's not of a brand that has a heritage like several role or that that has like a positive impact on, you know, the environment. Uh, so right now we're focusing on my sister. You know, we have a meeting um, next week, actually, with a. A certain brand um we'll see how that goes but uh i i i really think everyone now isn't isn't too concerned about um many musicians like as well because musicians they're they're people who react to the time and with the whole um you know blm and just just like everything that's being exposed like around the world um musicians really i think they're taking a stance um, and they're really going against sort of like the, the commercial and the whole um, principles that some brands um, advocate. Yeah. No, I, I definitely hear what you're saying. I mean, like, you know, one of the things which is a big domino in our current conversation around BLM is Blackout Tuesday, which, is st- which stems from the music industry standing against oppression in that space. So that's a really, really important thing to... To, to point out but do any of you feel there's been like a different prioritization 
in music at all since that? I think, do you know what? For me, in my experience, well, as I said, I only released an EP two weeks ago, so I had in DMs and whatnot. I have, I've had, um, you know, I've had people approach me, brands approach yeah. me to do work here and there. But um, again, the whole industry, I guess. Um, so, for example, I, I want to do a couple shows. I've been booked for a couple shows, but then it's had to be postponed. For example, because yeah. I guess COVID and whatnot. Um, but again, um, it, it's quite tricky to tell how it's gonna go or where it's gonna go because I guess no one knows. To be fair. Um, how long this is going to go on for. And, um, you know, I do know that the booking agency industry has taken a hit as well as musicians, you know, those who, if you're emerging or if you're established, you know, you rely on your shows, your tours to, to you know, make amends. As I said, back to the streaming, you know, numbers, again, you can have 100K streams, but the equivalence of that into monetary value is not that yeah. much. Um, and so that's why it's quite tricky. I'll be honest with you, my personal opinion, I would love for Spotify to personally take away the numbers next to there because I believe that really influences a lot of listeners. If you got, if you got someone, I just believe if an, if an artist has got a song that's got like 10,000 plays and then there's another one that's got 200,000 plays, they're just going to be more inclined yeah, to just play that, the one with 200,000 plays. So interesting. Yeah, so I think it depends what kind of person you are because I think if if you are into kind of discovering more music, then personally I would go for the lower numbers. What's not being listened to? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. So I guess yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, just yeah, the average person. I don't know. It's just it's just again with 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 all of that. Um, I just don't know why. Um, yeah, figures in general. It just with everything, branding, music, it's just, it's like the highlight. So I don't have many followers, for example. So I appreciate when a brand hits me up. I do obviously do a little, you know, back check, background check, um, but more time because of my following, I know, okay, yeah, they could have hit up someone who's got way more followers than me, but there must have been something about me that they kind of pinpointed to hit me up. And I appreciate that. So not to say that brands are not looking or they don't care or they're lazy, they are still out there, but again, just like how we are trying to find our path, there's brands who still stand by their ethos, and, and I respect that totally. Yeah, yeah. So, in terms of like the path of um, you building out, um, really getting your message out, getting your music out there, yeah. how important is social media in that? So, I'd say, yeah, it's really important. I mean, as much as I do, like, I have a love and hate relationship with it um, because I guess now. It, <laughs> So, for example, I would love, to, I need to, I'm on the verge of completing my website because I realize now that social media, it was so engrossed in it that at one point, even for me, I thought, like, okay, it, that's just everything. But when you really deep into it, it's just a, so, it's just a medium. So I remember one time someone asked me, oh, where can I find your music? Yeah. A few people asked me and I didn't know, do I say my Twitter? Do I say my Instagram? So I realized, you know what? I need to get a website. That's real estate. It's really important. Instagram might not be here forever. Twitter might not be here. Yeah, so again, I'm trying to take myself out of that. Really, but social media on a whole is very important, of course, um, in terms of, you know, someone could share something of mine that could reach someone else, for example, and that could take me to another avenue. It's just a love and hate, really. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, I I think as well that, like, it's, uh, it's a modern-day portfolio. You know, back in the days when, you know, our parents or whatever would have to carry a bunch of books or whatever and go to a job interview. Great. You could just meet someone. Like I was in Paris like almost two weeks ago and we were at this party, um, social distancing and everything. 
Um, and this woman just came up to me and my sister and like scouted us for a shoot for another magazine, which is like a really big magazine. Um, and all we had to do was just show, show our Instagram and then show like send her like pictures of our like you know portraits and stuff, our faces. Um, so there's that aspect of it, but at the same time, I feel like as if you know the the powers that be or whatever have really put way too much emphasis on it. Um, yeah. You know, because Dr. Dre once existed. Yeah. Because, like, the Beatles once existed. Before Michael Jackson they didn't have social media. Yeah. Um, so there's still loads of things. Like, when you see something, when you, you know, we still go to shows. We don't have VCRs for shows. That might be, like, a couple years or whatever. Um, but when you, VRs, not VCRs, VRs. But when you, when you go to a show and you, you're physically there, when you buy an iPhone, it's physically in your hands. When you when you physically have something, there's more of a sentimental, um, there's more sentiment there. Uh, and so I really feel as if, you know, I'm, I'm really on my emails more than the, <laughs> more than any social media app. Um, I'm really just like, you know, in, in like the, on the internet trying to find out who actually runs this thing, who runs that thing and talking to certain people. I just find people, um, on social media sometimes, but mainly just like at events, I'll just talk to you. Like, what's up? Like, how did you do this? How did you do that? Um, who do you know this person? Do you know that person? And we'll just be like, it's like Yu Gi Oh! No, no, it's like Pokemon cards, I think, or Yu Gi Oh! cards, whatever. But we're just there, like, switching all these information. And that's sort of how, like, um, I really found uh, my foot in. Um, now, so I think I feel like there's a balance of both. It's not like social media is more important. Yeah. Then interactions in real life, or even you go to emails. Um, you could literally e- Sony Music have their emails on their website. Like you can go to their website and go to contact their emails right there. You can send your music over. I didn't get told that in school. Well, I left school early, but <laughs> like I don't know. I don't think anyone gets told that in school. I mean, it is quite fascinating. I mean, one of the questions I always kind of ask myself is that, like, how much people are willing to trade for almost a shortcut on socials. Like the most obvious and ridiculous example is obviously Six Nine, right? The Six Nine is like a he, he he he's an artist who is known for his crazy, crazy antics. Now there are a lot of artists that come in and between that level of extremity. But have you guys ever been tempted for the reasons of publicity to do something mad on the socials? Oh my that's such a great question because <laughs> One of my mates who used to be a manager of mine, this was one of the arguments we used to have yeah. quite a lot. True, you need to do, like, mate, your social media is not active enough. You need to, like, you need to get it in. You're not doing no challenges. What's going on? And I'm like, bro, like, for me, it's just not in my personality. To, I want my music to speak for itself. Um, yeah. So I get it. Um, but then at the same time, I, it has, I see people, ah, it's, it's difficult, I guess, to, for me not to be too, what's the word? Because at the end of the day, with Six Nine, I guess his personality is amazing. So something is working. Something there's a reason why everyone's gravitating to him as such. So um, I try not to kind of downplay it, but at the same yeah. time, I feel like because I'm so I'm trying to improve on my sound. I'm true to the art itself. I just feel 100%. like that. I just see that, in my opinion, as like gimmicky. No, I, no, a hundred percent. I just it is so extreme. Yeah, is very so for me. I I personally can't see myself doing all that. Um, 
But again, it's, it's, it's kudos to, to 6 9 yeah, yeah. I feel as if Drew, like, there's still stuff you can get involved in as well. Like, even, um, like, Reels, bro. Yeah, Reels, yeah. Do you know TikTok? Hey, hey, do you know TikTok? Hey. Okay, all right. I want to just say Instagram Reels. I'm going to leave it at that. But, like, talk, you nah, know, talk, you it, can, talk it, talk it, talk <laughs> it. I'm ready to hear. Yeah. Exactly. It's, like, 15 seconds, you know? You can still like communicate. TikTok. Because if, if you give people a bit of that, mm-hmm. you know, it's, like, how do you do that? You yeah. know, instead of like 10 minutes, give them 15 seconds yeah. of you making something, of you, you know, showcasing your space, of you, you know, just like something about you. There's still things you... 6 9 is on Instagram every day. Yeah. 6 9 is it, it's, it's not because he's special or whatever. It's because there's actual mathematics there that is getting followed to. Yeah. You know? Um, so I still think there are like things you can, you don't have to do on Instagram every day, bro. Like, well, not at all. So I was reading a book, um, by Sarah Freer, um, um, a book on Instagram. You know, you start reading things into like algorithms and how it's manipulating a lot of things. My work, is it getting out there like that? Like, for example, you just mentioned Reels, for example. I've heard a lot of creators that I've spoken to, they believe their work, it's not being, it's not getting reached out there like that. It's not, people are not reaching it. The way Instagram really works, yeah. since we're going to focus on Instagram, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the more you interact with it, the more the algorithms look for like a, a pattern within you. Yeah. And so if you're posting every week uh-huh. um, on like just Thursdays at 5 p.m., uh-huh. um, it'll make sure that like on that day, you know, you get like a little space. Uh-huh. Um, and on the other days, you're not around at all. No one should see you. So there's like a cap on how far it goes. So you can focus on other people who post on Mondays, who post on Tuesdays, who post on Wednesdays. And sometimes the people who literally post every single day and that just brings the like algorithms a bit more in their favor because it's like, oh, you're in our community now. You're with us. Yes. Get get all the attention. Can I ask you a question? What do you say? Because I've also had a lot of creatives, musicians, for example, who... They've done all the challenges and whatnot, but as soon as they land with the music, the engagement is nowhere near. So, so it's like sometimes it, you know, I realize people will go to something for that. But I guess in Six Nine mm-hmm. situation, he's it's, it's just worked. It's, it, it combines itself. But for a lot of creatives as well, I've, I've had a lot of discussion where the, the actual art, what they want to be appreciated for, they don't put that in the challenges. Okay. If, if, if you go to like this store that has burgers. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, they're like, "Oh yeah, we do milkshakes." Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want your milkshake. Yeah, I don't want your milk- yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I know this this place over there does milkshakes, yeah. and they don't do burgers. I came here for your burger. Okay, yeah, yeah. And so if they came here for this reason, yeah, like yeah. they're not gonna. So if you put it in your challenges, yeah, if if you find a way to incorporate that in, yeah, yeah. it's like. Oh, okay, yeah. So if they click on it, then they're definitely there for like yeah. a bit of both. And that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys, I've got one last big question for all of you guys, which is, what are your predictions? You guys, you can just do one. What are your predictions for music post-lockdown? I believe, with regards, I've seen a few um, performances on Instagram Live, uh, interactive performances. Some have been good. Um, it's, it's new for everybody, so... Um, I've appreciated um, those who have managed to pull some off. I mean, who did I see? Tory, Tory Lanez did one a, a couple months ago. Ooh, controversial um, name right now. I know, I know. I should have met him. <laughs> <laughs> he had a great... Yeah, and he's just kind of... Yeah, but, great um, run, then. Yeah. 
And then, um, but yeah, uh, prediction wise, I believe it will get back on its feet eventually. But for now, I guess we're going to have to, um, yeah, I think artists, creatives, we're just going to have to find more creative avenues and tools to just kind of showcase our work for the time being. Love they it. literally had to tell everyone that anyone who has illegal raves are going to get fined. Like, I, I don't remember the numbers, but like they did that for a reason. And grand people, people, like everyone I speak to, like everyone, they just like, I just want to go rave. I just want to go rave. I think there's nothing really that like the venues or the government can get in the way of. Um, so the demand is like, so high up right now because this is people's release you know to a lot of musicians this is like it's not it could be fun um the major ones it's not always this fun but um you know this is how the normal people who have a nine-to-five release themselves you know it's either go get a drink go to the club or whatever or go to like festivals go to concerts that's why it's so big um so people don't have that release um covid being like locked up in the house, literally locked down. Um, everyone's just, just craving that. So I really feel like as soon as it officially gets back, it's like going crazy. But even then, there's still raves going on. There was like two weeks ago, there was a rave going on in, in Bristol, like a, this full sound system rave. Like all of my friends went to. Wow. Um, even when I was in Paris, there was a, there was, there was a party going on. And I, uh, any predictions? Um, I was having this conversation with my brother and I was like, I think with everything, but mainly music, it started to become like a rat race. There was this sort of pressure. We need to get music out. We need to do this. We need to do that. We need to do this. And recently when I've been speaking to friends, we've been more nostalgic. We've been very reflective. So the quality has taken over the quantity like I've not listened or heard any new music from underground artists recently because they finally had time to reflect on what they do actually want for their careers for example um and I've been listening to really old like really old stuff I've been going through my SoundCloud and finding old Jay Dilla tracks all this stuff and I'm like okay this is this is what this is speaks to me more. Like if I feel anxious or whatever, I'm, spe- I'm I want to listen to this. So now, if I go out, I'm not going to go to like a random night out. I'm going to wait until one of my artists that I really want to see. Like I, I'm one of the audience members that like misses live music so much. So now I'm going to cherish it when it comes. There's going to be such a high demand for it, and I think people are realize that they took the quality for granted, mm. and they're realizing the, the the sort of the bullshit a bit more sorry <laughs> no no that's fine that's fine and also okay i'm just gonna start um go uh wilfred uh, then uh, drew Mueller. can you um give us uh, a shout out to your socials and anything you got new coming on plug it please um so i released a grime project a grime ep um a couple of weeks back it's called sw8 um you can find me on any any like music platform Wilfred W I L F R E D. Um, my social media handle is Wilfred Cisse. I'm literally only on Instagram. And next month, actually, I'm putting out another um, EP, which is like I haven't named it yet, but it's probably going to be called Versatile. I don't know. I'm just being bait with it. There's like five tracks, and each one touches on different genres. Each one is different genres. The first one's a grime. 
rock, jazz, indie pop, and then there is a disco song. Um, that's like end of September. And Ab, uh, if you want to plug anything, also shout out to your socials. Um, yeah, so my social is semi-skimmed, S-C-H-M-I-S skimmed and then uh, my music event is lucid london and we've been doing like a competition so we had other djs sort of go against each other for 10 minutes have our followers vote on who their favorite was and we uh we're announcing our winner today but we've got a live next thursday on the 3rd of september where they get to just have a set on our live on our platform so that's next but yeah sick, sick. and last but definitely not least Rumula. Yes, um, so my social media handles is Dramula, so that's D-R-E-W-M-U-L-A across all uh, digital platforms as Twitter, your SoundCloud. Um, I just recently uh, released a, an EP uh, two weeks ago, so everyone could check that out. It's all on digital platforms, streaming platforms. I've got a show, well, I need to double check that actually, but yeah, show in two weeks, <laughs> COVID and all that, yeah, uh, at the Rocksteady in Dawson. So yeah, if you guys are around, uh, just hit me up, I'll, I'll actually get you some tickets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Right. That has been, it's been a lot of fun, guys. Um, next week, we are going to talk about activism and activism during uh, COVID. If you guys can, um, remember to subscribe and share. It really helps spread the message. And uh, you can see all of our previous episodes on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, all, all DSPs, all DSPs. <laughs> right. It's been a pleasure, guys. We'll see ya. Thank you for having me. Thank you guys. Bye. Bye.